Well, good morning, folks. It's good to be with you again. You know, I say that every week, but I mean it every week. You know, they say this next week's going to be one hot week in Oklahoma. So we're just praying that you're going to stay cool and um, let you know again, we're missing you and we love you. Uh, be praying for us as uh, we continue to kind of develop in all the things we're trying to do at Western Hills. Uh, again, we've been having some great services, good turnouts, and um, we're just thankful for that. But know that we, we are uh, thinking about you, and uh, before you know it, it'll be fall of the year, and perhaps things will settle down a little bit, and we'll all be back together again. So this morning, I want to talk to you about being a servant of God, and what God wants us to do and be in, in our lives while we're here on planet Earth. It's just not just about us, it's about serving relating to others and sharing Christ with others. And so I think it's time for us to kind of go back and take a look at that in our lives as we serve each other and we show the world around us that we really do have Christ living in us. So we're going to do communion in a moment. Uh, we're going to do a song, we're going to do communion, then I'll come back and do a message for you a little bit after that. But again, it's good to be with you today, and God bless you. Okay, now time for the communion. And uh, I just want to say as we get started here, again, we're going to talk about being a servant today in our message. And if you look at Matthew's account of the Lord's uh, Supper, and it's really all about him, but really it's all about you and me. You see, in Matthew's account, the Last Supper, um, one truth surfaces above all other things. It was really Jesus is the person behind it all. He sets the stage for it. He sets the time for it. He sets the place for it. And then he does all the serving. It just amazes me. In Matthew's account in chapter 26, it says this. On the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked this question. Where do you want us to make preparations for us to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. 
It's interesting because Jesus sets the stage for it all. And he sets the stage for you and me. And in the middle of that supper together, Jesus even serves his disciples. He's the one that gets up. He's the one that straps on the, the apron. He's the one that goes from disciple to disciple and washes their feet. That's amazing. There's an invitation for you and me. You see, the Lord's Supper is a gift to us. It's a reminder what he has done for us. He has come. He served us. And he served as a sacrifice for you and me. And he invites you and me to remember that, but also to become servants. So I would have us to remember that this morning as well, is that what Christ did for us, yes, but what we are to do to represent him to the world around us and be true servants. Let's pray for the bread. Father God, I thank you for the life and the example that Jesus showed here on this earth. You know, a perfect life. We're so thankful that you, were, you loved us so much that you would give your son. And as he sat around that table with the disciples and what he did on that night, he invites us now to come and to remember how much he loves us, how much he gave for us. So as we take this bread this morning, Father, we remember. We remember the love that was given by you and the sacrifice that was given by your son. In his name, amen. And as we take the wine this morning, let us remember it was the blood of Jesus that forgave all of our sins. We're washed clean because of him. Father, again, we thank you. We thank you that uh, what was set before Jesus, he just obeyed. And we're thankful that we, as we take this cup this morning, that we remember what he did for us on the cross. And that he invites all of us into the relationship with you that continued relationship, that we are clean because of what he has done for us. We can't thank you enough, Lord, but we praise you for it. In the name of Jesus, let it be so. Amen. Well, that concludes our time together with communion this morning. I would also like to say one other thing about our giving. You haven't heard me really talk a lot about that. Uh, recently, but I want to thank you for the heart of you in your giving. Our contributions are down a little bit, but they're actually, we're, I think we're doing pretty good. And I want to thank you for that. And you can send in your contributions to the church by mail. You can even, even go online and make your uh, offerings there. Uh, whatever it is easiest for you, that's great. Uh, but know that we thank you for your sacrifice in the giving as well. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon.
Good morning. I want to talk to you today about be a servant and be blessed. I think this is really important in our lives because I think in our world today, we're becoming less and less servants of the Lord. And that's not to judge you or to even judge me. Maybe it's to judge me more than anything, but it's really for us to take a look at what God wants us to be doing. There's a story told about a young man that received a gift a few days before Christmas. Now, it was a special gift, and this gift was from his brother. His brother actually bought him a brand new car. It was a beautiful car. So he was at work uh, the next day, and uh, there was this street boy that was walking around his car just admiring the beauty of this new car. So he goes downstairs and he gets ready to get in his car and the young boy says, Sir, is this your car? He said, Yep, it sure is. It's my car. And you know, son, the good thing is my brother bought me this car. What? He said, Your brother? Your brother bought you this car? You mean your brother gave it to you? He didn't charge you anything? It didn't cost you anything? It was absolutely free for nothing? Your brother did that for you? He said, yep, he sure did. And the little boy said, gosh, oh, gee, Wilkers, I just wished that I could. And the man thought to himself, I know exactly what he's going to say. He's going to say, I wish that I had a brother like that because so many other people would say that. But the man said he was surprised when the little boy simply said, Golly gee, that's awesome. I just wish that I could be a brother like that. I love that story or stories like that because they surprise you. It's not what you're expecting. It's not what you're expecting at all. Now I realize that more often than not, I would prefer, really, to have a brother like that than to be a brother like that. I don't want to be, but I find myself there sometimes nonetheless. How about you? Which would you prefer to be said about you in your life? That you had a brother like that or that you are a brother like that? It's something to think about, isn't it, as we go through our lives? Someone said, let's face it. Let's face it. We don't really like being servants. We don't like to serve others. We like to be served, and we certainly don't like to be under authority. 
especially in our world today, it seems that way. I don't know what the deal is, but it seems to be that way. It may be because throughout the years, it's been, if you will, preached to us or taught to us or somehow related to us in our psyche that we actually, it influences us even greater and even more so today. But I guess really deep down inside, it's just the human nature of us, is it not? That we really don't like authority, that we really don't like certain things we like about me, but not about that. We want to be the one to rise to the occasion. We want to be the ones with the gold medals. We want to be the ones that win the race. We want to be the ones that, well, that's probably us, isn't it? I know it's me oftentimes. I don't like to lose even if I'm playing Monopoly, and I hate Monopoly. But nonetheless... It's also just that human nature about us. But even in Scripture, we read that the disciples also struggled with this. Did you know that? Continually, throughout their walk with Jesus. We want position. We want power. We want honor. We want prestige. We want this something. We want the first seat, the front seat. We want to be the first to seat, fiddler or whatever, violinist. But even the disciples struggled with that in Luke or in Mark chapter 10, verse number 35, Mark 10, 35. James and John, if you remember the story, James and John were, they went to Jesus and they simply said, Hey, Jesus, you know, when you come into your kingdom, can I sit on the right and can he sit on the left side of you? This would be awesome for us. I mean, you know, you really like us and we would really like to be right there with you. And Jesus looked at them and said, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. You don't even know what you're asking in this. You don't really understand it, do you guys? And we also struggle with that. And Jesus says, in his kingdom, it is those that serve all that are number one. Wow. But you see, Jesus didn't say something and do something different. That's called the hypocrite. And Jesus was not, of course. And so Jesus gives us the example. He gives us the example by being the servant. So in Mark chapter 10, verse number 45, 10 verses later, he said these words. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow. He did that for you and he did it for me. And I find that so exciting. Zig Ziglar said it well when he said this. He said, you'll always have everything in life that you want if you'll help enough other people to get what they want. Boy, I like that. It's a true statement. You know, I think of a servant's hearts and people throughout my life. And I think of people even at the church. And I can just point out, there's a servant. And there's a servant. And there's one that gives and goes the extra mile and all those. Those just seem to stand out, don't they? I remember my parents. My parents were great servants of the Lord. And not because they were my parents. They just did that. It was just something nature that was in them. That they wanted to just pour that out. I remember when I was a little kid in Michigan when we were growing up and we'd go to church. And after church on Sunday, just about every Sunday, at least a couple of times a month on Sunday after church, we would go to what we called back then the old folks home, but a nursing home. You see, there was a man that had gone to church there. I didn't know who he was, really that much about him. But he uh, was put in a nursing home. 
And my parents would go over there after church. And I remember going over there and I'd be in the back seat and I'd be like, oh, we have to stop at this place. It stinks. It don't smell good. And I came up with all kinds of excuses. And man, my mom would just turn around and she said, young man, you just be quiet. You shut your mouth right now. You're not going to talk like that. This man deserves a visit from somebody that loves him and cares for him. She'd always take him something special if she baked something or whatever the case was. And um, so throughout the years, I remember some things there. One time when we went there, you know, at the nursing homes, a lot of times they'll do crafts and things. And he had woven this little plastic basket, but he had had to take some yarn or whatever and weave through it. And um, he, um, he gave it to my mom. And when my mom passed away, she still had that, and I have it today. And it sends me right back to the time in which I didn't have a very good servant's heart, but my mom did. And it really blessed me. Is because when you learn to give to other people, truly you are blessed in your life. It is so true for us. It'll make a difference in your life. It doesn't matter if you're a senior in high school. It doesn't matter if you're retired. If you learn to give in a special way. You know, the achievements that we have in life, the, the goals, or I shouldn't say goals, but the achievements we have, or maybe the talents and the gifts that we have in life that we're given, it's sad if they stop with us. And what I'm saying is there is that what God gives us, God wants us to give back. We, we bless people by, and we bless even God by giving back and giving to others what God has truly given to us. As Christians, we are called to serve. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus himself said, I didn't come into this world to, serve, uh, uh, to be served, but to serve. And also in Ephesians chapter 5, what does he tell us? He says, be ye imitators of Christ. And if we are to be imitators of Christ then we must serve. And we must serve who He served, which was people. And that's our problem, is it? Isn't it? It sure is for me. John Ruskin said it this way. He said, when a man is wrapped up in himself, he makes a very small package. And that's true. No matter how big he thinks he is, he's pretty small because he's just wrapped up in himself. Being lost in self, you'll find that your world is pretty small, all right? It is. Now, being a servant is not always easy, and it's not the most natural thing to do for some people because we are supposedly somehow, we're naturally conditioned to think about ourselves. And God wants us to think good of ourselves, but not more of ourselves than we ought to. Be sober-minded in what we do, he tells us. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But yet Christ loved us and died for me, and so I'm worthy because Christ died for me. But don't get too big for your britches, my dad would say. It's true. We all, but it's always this case. It's always this. It's that yet despite our tendency towards self-promotion, like look at me, look what I've achieved, look what I've done, look what I've built, whatever it is. The accomplishments in this, all of this, it's always true that more is accomplished when we do it together. When we don't really care who gets the credit. 
We just do it together as a teamwork. Coaches teach that to their players all the time. It's about teamwork. It's not just about one individual. It's about teamwork and getting it done. This is one of the struggles that our world has today. No one wants to do that. They just want all the credit for it. They just want it for themselves. And I often think about this great country in which we live today. I don't think it would have ever been born. This is my opinion, but I don't think it would have ever been born, if you will, with the mindset of the generation or the people of today. To have a twisted mindset. It's all about me. It should be about us, about our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren to come. Because you see, as Christians, God has always called us to serve. That's what God's called you to do is to serve. Really? Yeah. This could be the one reason why many people today don't want to follow Christ. is because they read His teachings and He calls us to be servants and they're saying, No, no. Uh, it's all about me. It's not about serving other people. That doesn't make no sense. That doesn't give me anything. Oh, yes, it does. Be willing to serve without reaping all the benefits you'll discover in all of that that God will bless you beyond compare. No, it's not easy. And it doesn't come easy for some. But if you do it, you will be rewarded. God promises that. Now someone says that, no, I served and I did this and I did that and I gave here and I gave there and they took advantage of me. And what if they take advantage of me again? Well, here's the truth, they will. People are people. And some people are never good, and there won't be good, but God still calls me to serve. Some of the people that Jesus gave his life for have not re returned that very good, have they? They haven't returned it with love. They've rejected it, but he still died for them. And so he's called us to serve, even if we are taken on occasion, because God knows our heart. God will take care of that. To me, true success is this. True success in life is not known until the servant in you is set free to serve. It's the discovering something in you that God has put there to be able to serve. Well, I can't give as much as that person does, and maybe when I get more, I'll give, but you can give of time. You can give. It doesn't matter if it's a platter of cookies. It doesn't matter if it's a, a new car like the kid got. I'll take one next week if you got one. But it's to be and have that servant's heart that God wants us to get to. Scripture says those who are last shall be first. Makes no sense to the world. Not at all. The greatest among you will be your servant. Makes no sense to the world. But for the Christian, it makes complete sense. Because God says if you do these things, these are the things that you will receive. Have you ever been on a mission trip? I've been on several of those throughout my life and enjoyed them. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you discover something. You discover, if you go with a, a, a true heart, a servant's heart, if you, that's the reason why you're going, to help other people. When you come back, I've never heard a person yet tell me that they weren't blessed. I always hear, man, it was more of a blessing for me. I took off of work, I gave up this, I, it was hot, it was tiring, it was tough, it was all these things. But man, what a blessing it was to me. Because God's designed it that way. When we serve, we get blessed. In Matthew chapter 23, in verse number 11, 
I want you to read that this week. Read of all, all of Matthew 23. It would be really good for you. But Matthew 23, it says, The greatest among you will be your servant. He goes on to say that if you don't humble yourself, he'll do it for you. But if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. It's your choice. It's your choice. Choose wisely, my friend. Yeah. Because he will humble you or you can humble yourself. Humble yourself, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up, he says. And humbling yourself to be able to serve other people is important in our lives. But do you know what those two little passages were squeezed between there in Matthew 23, 11? It's between where Jesus is fed up with a group of people thinking that it was all about them. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, it was amazing. The religious people is the ones that he was fed up with. He couldn't stand it anymore because they made it about their, them. It made it about them and not about the coming of Christ or the Christ that was with them. And so he lets them have it. They wanted all the hype. They wanted all the glory. They wanted all the power. They wanted all the prestige. They wanted all the authority. They wanted it all. And Jesus gives it to them with both barrels. It's pretty amazing. He lets loose. He says, you hypocrites, you blind guides, you brood of vipers, you snakes, you whitewashed tombs, you fools. Now, I don't know if he said it with that type of tone. But the word tells us he said it. Basically is, who do you think you are, guys? But don't miss this, and this is important, because see, we, we can have that attitude toward other people, but don't miss this. In just the valuable point, he told them these things that were true about them, and he really let them have it. But remember, in just a few short days, he knew that he was going to go to the cross for their sins as well. He was a true servant even to those that would never serve Him. He served. That's amazing, isn't it? Matthew chapter 20, verse number 26 and 28, it goes on to say, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become the greatest among you must be your servant. You want to be great? you got to serve. Oh, you can say I'm great because I have this and I have that. I've done this and I've done that. But if you haven't served, you can't be great in the eyes of God. And whoever wants to be first must be the very last. Makes no sense. Must be the slave, he says here in this translation. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. There it is again. He tells us over and over again why he came and what we are to be about, you and I. Now one of the most beautiful things about being a Christian is the fact that when you give of yourself to others, cannot help but personally, abundantly reward you in your life. That is a wonderful thing. And some of you don't believe it, and some of you may never ever try it. But just try it and see what happens. See what takes place. And those rewards are, will always far outweigh any of the, of the benefits if you try to keep it of this self-promotion all about me. I read an article from a preacher. It was pretty disturbing and I kind of got the gist of maybe things, you know, writing sometimes. You really don't know the harder person. You look at it, ah, you know, and I'm not trying to do that. But one of the things he said in the article was this. He wrote that God did not want you to be successful, only faithful. That's not true. 
Oh, it is true that God wants us to be faithful according to Revelations. There is no doubt God wants us to be faithful. Of course He wants us to be faithful. But I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to be successful as well. How do I know that? Because Scripture tells me that. It tells me over and over again. Here's just a few for you. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. If you commit to the Lord, your plans will succeed. That's called success. Proverbs 22, verse number 4, Humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. Wealth, honor, and life threefold. But if it's committed to the Lord, humility before the Lord, He will lift you up. Psalms 128 talks about blessings and prosperity will be yours. Where does it come from? It's all God's. In Deuteronomy 28, you want another reading for this week? Read Deuteronomy 28. Yeah, read the whole thing. But there is one segment there. There's about 20 different blessings. Do this, be obedient. Do this, be obedient. Do this, be obedient to it. Blessings, 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 blessings. They will come. That's from God to you. Serving allows us to be blessed. So if you feel like you haven't been blessed lately, well, woe is me and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. Listen, if you feel like that today, here's my encouragement for you. Do something for someone else. Find something to do for someone else. And then at the end of the day, you sit in that little rocking chair or whatever the case is before you turn on the, the TV. Maybe you'll just look back and see how truly blessed you have been by just serving someone else. All right. Now you might say this, and I know some people are thinking it. Yeah, Harley, I'll do that when I get better off. Or I'm not really have those skills. I don't have those skills. I don't have the ability, I don't have the talents, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the right stuff. Well, you're looking at the guy that had all those excuses for many, many years till I was 30 years old. For, for, so for 20 years of my life, basically, 15 years, whatever the case was of my life, and I knew that God wanted me to do it, these are the excuses that I gave. I don't have the right skills, can't read very well, not tall enough, not good looking enough. You know, all the things. Couldn't quote all the verses. And his list went on and on and on. The answer to that argument I discovered one day is, Harley, you're right. You don't. You'll never be taller. You'll never be good looking. You'll never go through all these things. You'll never have all this knowledge. You'll never have all these things. But the good thing is, and God prompted my spirit, God is good enough. God is more than enough. Remember that. And following Him releases the servant heart that He has created in you. Isn't that good? Following Him releases that servant heart that's been there all the time. It was always in me, but I just had too many excuses to serve and to serve God. Boy, am I glad He worked on me those days. I am sure glad because I would have never known you and know what it feels like to be a part of a church that loves and a church that reaches out to me and my family and just, just does wonderful things. I love being a part of this church. You need to know that, my friend. So when I say that, because when you are born again, listen to me. You say, oh, I don't know about that. Well, listen, when you are born again, this is the good news. 
He lives in you through His Spirit. Now some people think it's only the written Word of God. I've had preacher after preacher tell me, the Spirit of God doesn't live within you. It's just the written Word. And if it's not in there, God ain't going to give you nothing. I look at every single one of them. I've, I've told people this. I've told a lot of people this. I feel sorry for you. Because my God tells me differently. Isaiah 59, read it for yourself. Isaiah 63, read it for yourself. Ezekiel 36, 27. Galatians 3, 1 John 2, Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Timothy 1, 14. Over and over and over again. And it tells us, it tells us the Spirit lives within us. And then action is displayed out of that Spirit in us to a world that is lost and dying and hurting and needing served. When King David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, he wasn't just saying, Clean me, clean my heart out. He was saying, Now fill me up. Because if you don't fill me up with good, oh, I can put in a bunch of bad. So put in some good so that I can represent you well. And perhaps that's what you need today. What we all need today is God creating me a clean heart and then fill me up with your spirit so I can be the servant that you've called me to be. You remember last week, Jesus uh, said in John, we read John chapter 14 where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father except through me. You can't get there any other way. But if you just look at that one segment, I am the way, why does He say that? He says it for a reason, my friend. I think He says it for this reason as well. Quit trying to lead the way. You'll only get lost even more. Quit trying to take my place. Just serve like I have served. You know the term, as we close, let me say this. You know the term um, Code Adam. The word Code Adam, uh, it's a long story, but anyway, the Code Adam just simply means one is lost and you need to help us find them. And so when you hear Code Adam at the store or, or on the marquees or, you, you know, printouts on the highway, sometimes they'll, they'll see those, uh, those uh, um, what are they called, um, whatever on the side of the road, they might light up and they might tell you, Code Adam, we're looking for this car, we're looking for this, this person, help us to find them. Well, that is what God has given out to us. A code Adam. Alert. He has. People are lost. And you and I need to be on the lookout. God has called us to be servants. We need you to be a servant of God so that we can find what is lost in the world. Do you see now the value of becoming a servant of God? You being a servant allows God to be seen in the world. So when we serve, we serve with the right heart. It's as though we're reflecting Christ. That's all we're doing. We're just reaching out with that love. Again, last week when my daughter and family came down, their car broke down, and God just placed a servant there. And He just said, I'll put the part on. I'm going to charge you a dime for that. It was just being a servant, a reflection of something that was good. My friend, God loves you. And long before you and I ever knew it, He put a code Adam out on our behalf. He sent His Son to rescue you, to rescue me. And I pray today that we can 
Mark on a calendar like he did for me. Found. On that date on the calendar, found. In June, uh, June the 20th, 1969. June the 19th, lost. Harley, lost. June the 20th, look on the calendar. I think it's right there. Found. That's what he says about you and me. Or maybe God is asking you today to stop thinking about you, 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 you so much for just a minute. For just a minute. And take a look around and help find someone that's in need, someone that's lost, someone that needs to be served. See, true servants of God are always on the lookout. Always. And God is just asking, would you help us look? Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that we are your children. Forgive us when we don't act like it all the time. But Father, may you impress on our hearts today that we are your children and to reflect you, we are to be imitators of you. To do that in our lives, we need to be true servants. All of us know we can do better. We can look at the world around us and say, they're not, and they're not, and they're not. But Father, help us to look inside of ourselves and say, I am and I will be a true servant of the Lord. I can do something good today. I can do something for somebody today. I can reflect you today in the life of someone today, Father. So impress it on my heart today, Father, to do and to be that servant. Whether it's church and church activities and things there, or maybe it's a neighborhood or a community thing, or maybe it's just somebody that I see at the gas station counting pennies to get a little bit of gas to make it through another week. Maybe somebody at the grocery store. Wherever it is, Father, place it on my heart to be the servant that you've called me to be so that I can reflect you more and me less. I know that I'll be blessed if I do. Thank you, Father, for serving us. May we serve others as you've told us to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, folks. Great to be with you. We'll talk to you real soon, I promise. Bye-bye.